You guys could be seated. You guys could be seated. There's a couple of things coming up. If you have not grabbed your programs, please grab one on the way in and the way out. There's the whiff of the it whiff. The if women's conference. That was a whiff. March 8th and 9th. And uh, just super excited about it. I know a lot of ladies are putting uh, so much effort into this. But be, prayer, be prayerful about this. Let's anticipate, like, just God just doing some work in people's hearts and setting people's destinies. And that the people would hear the gospel clearly and also bring a lot of healing, a lot of vision for that. There's also, we had a meeting this Saturday for a missions trip to Haiti. And uh, if that is something you still would like to be a part of, please make sure uh, to look on your uh, program here. And you can contact uh, Drea for further information. And at this time, I want to bring up Mark Mitchell. He's going to speak to you one last time about Growth Track here. Morning. Um, next Sunday, Growth Track, 9 a.m. It's here. Um, so if you just want to get connected, you want to get involved, you want to um, just kind of understand who we are and what we're about, then don't sign up. Um, sign up. It's not too late. You can sign up on the app. You can sign up on Facebook, and you can sign up on our website. Um, all the information is there. We've already got quite a few people coming, so that's great. Um, but next Sunday, 9 a.m. in the side room over here, we'll provide breakfast and some child care if needed. So sign up. Give, my, uh, give Mark a hand. Man. Also, the children are collecting for homeless care packages. So if you want to be a part of that, we want to uh, create about 100 or more packages uh, for um, the homeless care packages so that our kids can be a part of giving out, being a part of setting that up. And uh, all throughout the year, you can have these in your car to give out. And so as uh, the ushers come forward, we're going to pray. And we're going to, uh, for your giving, and thank you so much for that. If you're new here, uh, thank you for being here. We have a welcome center in back. Please make sure you go back there and ask any questions. We have a gift for you, and just uh, meet some of our people. But let's, uh, let's begin in prayer, and then we're going to run into today's service. I know it's, uh, been, it's been a cold weekend, uh, but you know this is Colorado. It's short-lived. And uh, just so glad that you guys are here and you guys made it because I believe that, uh, that God has uh, something prepared for us and uh, wants to speak to our hearts uh, that we would not only be ministered to, but that we would be uh, ministers of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this moment, God. This is the one moment we have at this time. We are presently here, God. Let us not take it for granted. Lord God, let us not uh, think that this is something we just do, Lord God, but we are anticipating, God, what you want to do. We're anticipating how you want to speak to us through your word, Lord God, that you would reveal more of yourself, Lord God, and more of us would come alive in you because we were made for you, Lord God. We were made to worship you. We were made to live for you, Lord God, and there's other people around us that need you, Lord God. I pray that as Hill City is, let us be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, Lord God. Let your love, Lord God, just come out of us. Let your message and your life always be in us, Lord God. We thank you for this moment, Lord God, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. At this time, I get the privilege of inviting uh, one of my closest friends and uh, an, an elder here, a leader here, as, uh, as uh, he, he was one of the founding members of this church, and uh, just so glad that he's in my life. But if you guys could give a hand for uh, one, of the, uh, one of our friends and someone we trust, Paul Frank, as he comes up and speaks to us. All right, I'm going to say something cool as he, as he uh, does this. Uh, please uh, speak to the person next to you. Tell him that's a beautiful wool coat you're wearing. Look how awesome it is. That's a wonderful blouse. Yeah, wonderful blouse. I like your scarf. It's scarf season. It's sweater weather, so that's always nice, right? Oh, keep going. I'm keep going here. Yeah, good to see many of you. And here you go, Paul. You ready? I'm ready. Good morning. Good hot morning. We got in the nursery. It was 83 degrees, so if you're cold, you can go sit in the nursery. Uh, no, we killed the breakers, so they have no heat back there. So that's how we do it around here. Don't worry. They'll be fine. It's warm back there. Uh, 
Um, I, I love when, uh, uh, when we um, uh, just, uh, well, let me just pause. Let me gather my thoughts. Uh, thank you for coming. My name's Paul. Great to have you guys. Thanks for coming out in this cold weather. Uh, I looked at the weather. It said negative 15 in my app this morning with the wind chill. Um, did it phase anybody? Good. If, you're, if you got phased, you're probably from California or something. All right. Who here likes to eat? Who's hungry right now? Spiritually hungry. No, I'm just kidding. No, we'll get there. No, I'm just kidding. I won't, I won't play that card yet. But um, I wanted to do a quick survey of, of put, I wanted to put some cuisines up here. Uh, well, what do you call them? Cuisines or genres or types of food or something. So I didn't, I didn't include all of them. But I just wanted to go through a quick thing and get a quick survey of, of, of uh, raise this if you, after you've got a, a chance to look at this and you're like, Paul, none of mine are up there. It's like, well, okay. What is American food? I don't know. People, when you go around, they think that's McDonald's. But, you know, hopefully it's a little bit better than that. But it's probably not. But can I just get a raise of hands? Uh, if, this, if this is your number one, just raise your hand. I'll go through them. Indian. It's okay. I'm with you. <laughs> American. They're like, eh, Korean. You can't be a Korean and raise your hand for this. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Italian. That's pretty good. Mexican? Yeah. Surprise, surprise. And Japanese. Yes, right. <laughs> I think winner is Mexican. All right. Like three margaritas, Taco Bell. No. That's not Mexican. Taco John's. All right. <laughs> the breakfast burrito at McDonald's. My favorite is probably Japanese and Indian food. Um, people are like, I don't like curry. I'm like, well, I don't like you. So, no. Uh, I love when you, go, when you ever get that when you ask someone out to eat, and they're like, well, where are you going? I'm like, does it matter? Let's just go. But I'll never forget the first time I got to introduce, uh, Mark. they raised their hand for Indians. See, I'm so happy. You guys have been converted. Uh, the first time we introduced Mark and Julie to this restaurant in Boulder called Sherpa's. And uh, yes, <laughs> it's very exciting. You're like, what's Sherpa's? It's like an old house in Boulder that was, con that was converted to actually like a Nepalese, uh, Himalayan, Indian food restaurant. Anybody been there besides Mark and Julie? All right, we got some people. Yes, I think I've invited every single one of you who come. So, But remember the first time we went there, you guys are pretty, like, you're pretty picky eaters. <laughs> there you go, very, very selective. Uh, but they, uh, I remember when Mark first tasted the amazing tikka masala, the sog. You're like, what are these things? If you haven't been there, you got to go. Stuffed non bread and spicy hot chai. Are you salivating yet? All right. <laughs> they enjoyed it so much. Now it's one of the restaurants where they go out of their way to eat. Right? It's, all, it's about 45, 50 minutes. It's kind of pathetic, actually. But, but it's one of those things. Uh, they tell people about it. They're Sherpa's evangelists now. And I'm really, they're like my like little disciples. You know, you talk about this. And I, I love this restaurant so much. You know, when other, someone else enjoys something as much and they start to tell other people, they're like, yes. Um, but, and it's not because of some grand marketing plan. Their presentation is awful. You know, it's not all polished. It's not so perfect. It's not you go in, you're like, oh, you're, it's, it's so good. The service might not be that good. But the taste and the food makes you just hooked for life. Am I right? Mark and Julie? Okay, thank you. <laughs> but I think we all have these types of restaurants or meals that we look forward to. We'll travel long distances, pay extravagantly, put in a quest to mom for just that one taste on your birthday. Anybody like that? Like, mom, can you just, like for my mom, it's my mom's lasagna. Like, can you just make it? And she'll make it. Nobody else likes it, but I like it. No, no, it's just good. It's really good stuff. Here's a few of mine. I'm, I'm, Mom, I take that back. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> Nobody likes it as much as me. That's what I meant to say. Thanks. Here's a few of mine. <laughs> not a bad save. Here's a few of mine. Sushi, salmon, sashimi, and eel nigiri. Tikka masala with cheese and onion naan. Oh, man. Sudubu chige? How did I do, wait, uh, how did I do, Gabe? <laughs> I had to call him, like, how do you say this tofu soup, this tofu Korean soup? Because I look it up, and I'm like, I don't know how to say it. So I called John, actually. I called John. He did his best. But sudubu chige, and Siana was laughing when I was asking John how to, how to pronounce this. Carne asada with extra green onions. Mmm, come on. Shabu shabu. Seafood, though. I like seafood. Drunken noodles with chicken. Thai hot my mom's lasagna, and lastly, fresh-caught fresh brook trout with scrambled eggs, bacon, and a cup of coffee while backpacking at a lake at 11,000 feet. All right, I'm done. Let's go. Let's pray. Yeah. 
you get the point, right, that we, we all look forward to this taste and see. It's how we're wired. It's in our biology. I think we, everyone, when people don't taste good, you know, some people, uh, you know, it's just like, man, you don't really like this. What's going on? You're just like, oh, it's so good. Um, you just want to convert them. But um, I just want to say I've been looking forward to the sermon for a few weeks. And it's, it's, it's hard when you anticipate something because uh, I, was, I was sharing with Jen a little bit. You, you, when you anticipate something, you just want, you have one, I have one chance to communicate this message to you. I have about 30 minutes. And I just hope I convey a few points to you guys. So can you do me a favor? and lean in a little bit to this, get me, like, make yourself receptive, and because my, my words are going to fall short. I'm just saying that, um, but I'm going to do my best to speak through this message. Amen? All right. So before we jump into the scripture, though, I just want to set the stage a little bit that everything has a starting point. Your relationship, your education, your marriage, uh, your, uh, even your faith it has a starting point, right? Uh, for many of you, it was probably growing up in church with a parent or a pastor or a priest or a rabbi or someone who introduced faith to you. Uh, they told you uh, stories about God, and you, you basically believed it. Uh, but some of you just cobbled it together based on experiences and other life inputs. You weren't raised in a formal sort of religious setting. Um, you, you may be raised with things like God is good, God is great, God punishes evil and rewards good, God answers prayer, you can talk to God and he'll answer you. Sound familiar? Okay. But at some point, you know, Jesus loves little children, all the... Yes, good. <laughs> or not very good, but it's okay. But at some point, life, have, life happened, and you had questions, and you, didn't get a, and you didn't get good answers. And John and I have talked about some of the leaders of the church. Like, it's up to us to give good answers to hard questions, Amen. That it shouldn't just be like, well, just, just God's good. You know, that's it. It's, not, it's more complicated than that. Uh, but subsequently, our childhood faith, and everyone can throw this up there. There you go. Thank you, Tina. Our childhood faith could not stand up against the challenges, pressures, and rigor of adulthood. So you begin to maybe navigate away from God and your faith, and you were left with questions, feeling like you didn't know God. Who is this God? Have I ever experienced him for myself? I think a lot of us have gone through that. Uh, I certainly have. Um, but I think some of us, this is the backdrop, some of us, I believe, need to restart our faith. I'm not saying, like, wipe the slate clean and all the experience. You can't wipe the experiences right there, there. But I think we need to somewhat, sometimes start over and understand, okay, what is this faith? This thing I grew up with um, has to sometimes morph into, into adulthood. And, and we do our best at Hill City with uh, Megan leading the kids, my wife, and really trying to, to sort of in, uh, learn from not just do the, the, the kind of basic Bible story, but really talk about good theology with our children, things that can sort of transcend and evolve as we grow. Because I think there's a lot of us that have gone through this gap um, in our faith. So um, if you were indeed to start all over, where would you start? We would need to approach how we start with faith differently from a child than how we start as an adult. So I could come to you, uh, Rico, and say, uh, start over by reading the Bible. And you know what the Bible says. Um, that's cool, right? But I don't believe that's going to work for most people. I think in our culture, we don't have this strong cultural back, uh, backdrop anymore that the Bible is this inherent word of God. Do you guys agree, disagree? That I, you know, back a little, like 30, 40 years ago, you'd say that the Bible is the authority, and people are like generally understood that. But now in our, in our culture, I can't just say the Bible says. It doesn't really mean much, okay? So now before you like send me an email and, and go off on me, I'm not coming against the word of God, okay? That is not what I'm saying at all. I believe it's an inerrancy. I believe in, in the authority of, the, of, of these, these, uh, these bunch of scriptures and laws and prophets and the New Testament and all these things, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But if I were to just come to you as a brand new, I just met you, LJ, and I'd be like, hey, the Bible says this, and you're not a Christian, you'd be like, so? You know, it doesn't really mean much to me. So here's the good news, though. The early Christians, they didn't have the book like we did either. When they started 2,000 years ago, they didn't have, let me grab it, not my phone Bible, it a brick, but they didn't have this. We have this nice, pick, this nice packaged book of, of scriptures and all sorts of things, from Genesis all the way to maps. You know the maps in the back, anybody? Genesis to maps. We have this, this big book, okay? And, but the early Christians didn't have this either. So if I'm, I'm trying to put in context, if you were to start over with your faith and you're trying to get back to basics, I wouldn't necessarily point you to say, just go start reading this. I'm not saying that's a bad starting point, okay, but it's not how the early church started. It's not how early Christians start, okay? It is one avenue, but I want to talk a little bit more about the starting faith and encountering Jesus this morning. Make sense? Yes. All right. I'll just answer my own question. All right. So let's hop into the book of John. After I just said that and I said the book's not a good starting point, we're going to start there, all right? So turn to the book of John. Thank you. Very good. Chapter 6, 
All right, so this is, a, this is somewhat of a well-known story. If, if you've been in church for a while, if you're a kid, where Jesus feeds these 5,000 people, or 5,000 men, it says. It could be more. But just to give a little context, so Jesus and his crew are, are hanging out on the north side of the Sea of Galilee near a town called Bethsaida. So here we go in, in verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, so when we say a great crowd, you know, imagine if you're, like, sitting in a park and you, like, see a great crowd. It's like, yeah, some people are coming over. Let's have some lunch. But this is over 5,000 people coming at him. So it's not just, like, a little crowd coming. We're like, yeah, let's have, let's eat. It's like 5,000 people or more are coming, okay? Sometimes they say 15,000, all right? So this is a very large crowd. Philip says, where shall we buy bread for these people? To, or sorry, he, Jesus said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this to only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. It's kind of sitting around. He's like, Philip, how are we going to pay for all these people? Kind of joking with him. And he asked Philip because out of anyone Philip would have known, he was, he was from a town called Bethsaida, which was only a few miles away. Okay, so he kind of asked Philip. The other guys were coming uh, different places, but he's like, Philip, you're around here. How are we going to do this? But he knew there wasn't really a, a logical or an easy way to do it. So Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Can you imagine that? This would take about $25,000 to feed all these people. So imagine a mom, we're going to get 25000 Could someone get me uh, some water, please? Thank you. I just said someone. Franco's got it. <clears throat> hey, Franco, can you give me some water? Thanks. When Jesus asked Philip where they could buy a great amount of bread, Philip started assessing the probable cost, right? He's like, how are we going to do this? And Jesus wanted to teach him that financial resources, this is kind of a little nugget for you, financial resources are not the most important ones. Don't let your estimate of what can't be done keep you from taking on the task. God can do miraculous. Trust him to provide the resources. Amen? Amen. So keep going. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Thank you. So we got over 5,000 people. We got two loaves. Or sorry, we got five loaves and two, and two fish. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So back in the Old Testament, Moses had predicted the prophet, okay, back in Deuteronomy. And they had sent manna in the Old Testament. It was literal bread to sustain them, okay? And here he is again, providing and splitting and having this sort of exponential algorithm that's just, we don't know exactly how it happened. We know that there was not only did enough, enough people have to, uh, enough to eat, but there was actually leftovers after all this, okay? So I could sit here and talk about the logistics and the mechanics of this miracle, but that's not the point of the story. Okay, it's not to say that we shouldn't uh, tease us out and discuss it and really try to understand it, but the point of Jesus is going to go deeper here. Okay, so there wasn't really much fanfare about this. I went through that pretty fast, actually. If you're reading some of the other gospels, it's a little bit more detailed, but it's pretty like, hey, they made, they fed five thousand people with with five loaves, two fish. You're like, cool, sounds good. Let's keep going. All right, but. If this was a modern day, it would be all over the news channels, on Twitter feeds, going viral, right, that this happened. But as you'll see later, the point of this is not a miracle, but the message, all right? So we say, let me switch for a second. We say at Hill City Church that we care about addressing three things from a poverty standpoint, spiritual, social, and physical poverty. You can always say we, we, we're, we're, part of our mission is to, is to address these three things in society. Now, it's poverty, it could be needs, all those things, okay? So in this case, in this first part of the scripture, Jesus met a physical need, okay? So we care about physical nourishment here at El City Church, and we should meet this needs as Christians. When we serve food to people at our homes, at groups, at urban outreach, um, when we go on mission trips, this is consistent with Jesus' heart, amen? Is to meet a physical need. Um, we don't just say, well, we're gonna, you're starving, but we'll pray for you, right? That's not something we do here. Um, but so we, we're very interested in physical poverty, but we are also interested in spiritual and social. So the event that occurred with Feeding 5,000 was a very good thing, and these people, were ne uh, people needed to eat. Certainly they were happy uh, after having their, their fill of bread and fish. But the total of this chapter, it keeps going, is 71 verses, and it's all about bread, okay? And it's not about how good the bread was, okay? The message on this is that, here it is, Jesus has not come mainly to make enough bread to feed everybody, the physical need, but mainly to give us a sign that he is the bread of heaven, the eternal spiritual need. 
Jesus has not come mainly to make enough bread to feed everybody, the physical need, but mainly to give us a sign that he is the bread of heaven. It's kind of, John was talking about this a little bit. I'm going to hit on that. If you guys were here last week, it talked about the Jesus being useful, useful from Judas's perspective, right? Um, instead of precious. So it's easy to fix on the product of the miracle and not the maker of the miracle. Let me say that again. It's easy to fix on the product of the miracle and not the maker of the miracle. So let's continue as Jesus illuminates this principle. So hopping forward to, um, this is John, now I'm into verse 26. Uh, This is a bit later, and he had walked on water, and now he's back, and the people are coming after him again. He's like, here comes the crowd again, right? They're coming back again. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, referring to to feeding the 5,000 I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed a seal of approval. Then they asked him, okay, well, if that's what it is, it's not. We want to know what must we do to do the works God requires. They want to work for it, right? These under, okay, they, we got it, Jesus. You're, like, you're, you're talking about eternal life. You're talking about these things. But what must we do? What are the works that we have to accomplish? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's the work. So we can go into James, and there's so much to unpack in the sermon. I was telling John, I wish I could go, I could go in for eight weeks on some of this, but if you get into James, talk about work, you know, we don't, this isn't uh, salvation by works. This isn't like, how can I attain it? What can I do? He's saying, simply believe. So I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus being actually, he was actually a bit annoyed by this at first because they say, hey, we're here, we're back, we're back. And he's, they're like, he's like, you want this because I fed you, right? I fed you physical need. But he's saying, you just come for another handout of food. I physically fed you, but that's not the point. I know some of us feel this, and I'm, I'm going to bring it back to my own story in a second here, but don't seek me like you've been seeking me. Stop laboring and trust me. Stop laboring. Stop working. Stop a t- this physical thing, this, this spiritual thing that I'm talking about. Stop working for it. Simply believe. You guys getting this? All right? It'll soak in. Don't worry. I'm standing here as the bread of life, freely offering myself to you, and they're sitting there asking, what do I have to do? What works must I accomplish? How do you labor the bread that he turns, turns you to learn life is to eat it, okay? It's very simple. It's to eat it, value it, cherish it, scoop it up, love it, love it, love it, scoop it up. Say, scoop it up. Scoop it up. I mean, that's not much work, is it, right? Just take it. He's freely offering, amen? He's freely offering this eternal life. Come drink. Come eat. It's free. So they asked him, what sign then will you give? So they're still not kind of getting it. The, those people, are, they're a little, little slow. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness as written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So the temptation for many that day and many of us today is to find Jesus useful in this story. And I've said this. He was the master provider, the master baker. Okay, I'll go through the master baker here. The one who provided manna just like God did with their ancestors. He will keep our bellies full. So they're just thinking, he will keep our bellies full. He will keep our ships from sinking. He will uh, solve our physical problems. He'll heal us. What a great and useful king he will be. That's what they were looking for. What a great and useful king he will be. But Jesus doesn't want that kind of disciple. He doesn't want us to find him useful. Jesus doesn't look at, if Jesus doesn't look to you as a treasure, no amount of work is going to make him precious to you. No amount of work or effort or anything is going to make him useful. You have to look at him and find him precious, not useful. He came mainly to forgive our sins, clothe us with his righteousness, make himself our treasure, seal our eternity forever, and then put us to work in the world. I'm going to say that again. He came mainly to forgive our sins, clothe us with his righteousness, make himself our treasure, seal our eternity forever, and then put us to work in the world. Jesus should not be leveraged as mainly useful, but as precious. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the bread. It's about him. So then Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then Jesus declared, and this is where it all kind of culminates, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. So I recently got into baking bread, and uh, John, what did you wear last week, a back brace? I'm going to wear an apron. All right, it's my uh, Australia um, apron. Edgar, you're here. Janet's not here, so she can't judge me on some of my bread. But um, anybody like this? No? Thank you. It's a little small, actually. (laughs) 
always tying this. I'm like, but uh, we got this. My wife and I lived in Australia for a while, so we got this apron. And, and you can see, I didn't like, I didn't sort of fabricate this and throw a flower on it. This is, this is real. This is used. Okay. I wasn't wearing an apron for a while. And every time I baked the bread, I'm like, I'm filthy. I'm like, oh, that's why they have aprons. So started wearing an apron, but uh, this is not, and, and whenever I say people, I, I, I start, I've started making bread. They're like, oh, in a bread machine? No, <laughs> it's the real thing. Okay. But uh, I, I make it from hand and I just kind of got into it. And I just, I don't know why I, I've, I've taken to it, but I just love doing it. And I, I love the process of mixing the flour and the yeast and the salt and the water together. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I grabbed a, a loaf. I was going to bring it, but a loaf you buy in the grocery store has about 25 ingredients in it. And my loaves have about four ingredients in them. So it's, it's amazing just the, the purity that you can make with this, uh, my bread. I'm not trying to sell my bread, but maybe I will at some point. But I love baking it. I love seeing it rise. I love kneading it. And just like you start with nothing, and then, you, and then all of a sudden you get this beautiful loaf of bread. And then giving my kids the warm bread with a slab of butter that melts over the top right when you cut it open. I didn't call this out in favorite food, but there's not much better than homemade, fresh, hot bread. Uh. <laughs> so I brought a little, uh, I brought a sample. And I know God just had to humble me because I was like, man, I, I, I make a pretty, like a pretty looking Sometimes that's pretty uh, nice looking, but this one didn't turn out so pretty. <laughs> but it's okay. All right, so I made this this morning. Um, thanks. It's an artisan loaf. And, um, yeah, I made it this morning. It, it had a huge fracture in it. I don't know why that is. But uh, I, I love making this. I really do. Um, it's just so much fun. Uh, and it's so much better than Wonder Bread or Oro Wheat or whatever that crap is. <laughs> Sorry. But I really love this. Um, does somebody want this loaf of bread? Anybody? All right, you, get, you got it. All right, sorry, you're, you're too slow. Is it because I just touched it with my hand and it's like, all right, I got a bag here and we'll, we'll get it to you afterwards. So I, want, I wanted to give that away. Um, but um, although I'm the bread maker in the family, they love it so much more, and they love it so much more than the store product. Uh, my kids, they don't view me as a bread maker, right? And I asked my kids, I was like, on the way, I said, do you guys view me as just a bread maker? They're like, dad, come on, you know, like, you do so much more. I said, what do you do? Well, <laughs> they took a little bit longer than I was hoping, but you teach us how to play tennis. You know, you, you, uh, you, uh, you, you, t- uh, you coach us. You do all these things. So um, I, I, this is what I wrote. I'm not mainly a bread maker, but I'm mainly their dad, their support, their guidance, discipline, coach, mentor, and much, much more, right? I'm so much more than, yeah, I can make bread. I can sustain them. I can feed them physically. The first thing my daughter said, you give us money. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Not really, but I'll give you some. So, but they see me as valuable and as precious, not just useful. They don't see just dad, they don't see Paul with an apron and a bread maker, right? They see much more than that, I hope. Do we see God, bear with me on the metaphor, but do we see God as just a baker? Do we see God as just producing stuff for us? getting stuff for us? Do we ask him to, to bake for us, to, to, to solve our needs, to, to heal our problems, you know, to do these things? Yes, those are good things. Um, can we see our Heavenly Father as this as well? Can he be the bread maker? Sure. Can he be the provider of things that we find value in as humans? Sure. Is he our healer? Yes and amen. Come on. But if we were to start over with our faith, we would find the precious value in Jesus alone. Not the miracles, the signs, the physical poverty that he meets, all these things that, like, once you do this, God, then I believe in you. But just finding the preciousness in him alone, in him alone. Come to me and believe in me is what he says. So Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He is the bread of life, the living water where we'll never thirst again. I hope you're getting this a little bit with me, but this is what the early Christians had. Remember, they didn't have all this verse. They didn't have the teachings, of uh, the writings of Paul. They didn't have the Gospels presented in Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They were doing it on a, on a first-person first experience, an encounter of Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm calling us today is to experience Jesus, the, tr- the bread of life, the living water. Go to, uh, in First Peter uh, 2. I'm not going to go into who Peter was, Simon Peter, but he says this, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for the nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. I love that, the full experience of salvation. 
The fullness of God is not to receive his physical blessing, not to receive just bread, but to receive him and him alone in fullness. Get to know Jesus each and every day. Fall in love with him now. Know and trust him now. Know and trust him now. I like this last piece. My task on earth is this, to eat the bread of heaven and be satisfied and be an overflow for others. It's to eat the bread of heaven, Jesus, to be satisfied in that alone and sustained, and ultimately so that it can be an overflow for others. That is the call of the Christian life. Do we have, um, is, is communion ready? Are we going to, are the guys ready to, to start passing out communion? I kind of just threw that on you. Sorry, guys. Um, but I want to share a little about my journey over the past um, it's funny how you don't get choked up when you're, when you're practicing your sermon. You're like, cool, and you get to it, and all you guys, you know, Mark can identify with this. So. You did good in the groups, though. You didn't, you didn't cry in groups. Uh, but if the guys can start passing out communion, uh, I want to share a little bit about my journey. Uh, 2018 was an extremely challenging year for me uh, and my family. Um, I thought about splitting up that bread. That would be cool, huh? Yeah, if you want to partake of this loaf, come up. Just pass it around. No germs. But uh, after having an amazing 2017, uh, I, I shared. Uh, I did a sermon about a year and a half ago where I shared about uh, bold trust and, and fearing not, and um, I went through a, a wonderful faith journey in 2017. Um, I took a six-month sabbatical from work. I left my job, had no money. Had, well, we had money, but we had no income, um, and just really, really leapt off that cliff. And it was an amazing journey and, um, and did things I always wanted to do. I started baking bread. That was, I don't know, just uh, when you give yourself a, a chance, you, face, you jump off a cliff. I don't know why I started baking bread, but it's been a very spiritual and physical experience for me. And there's so much metaphor in the Bible about it. And um, so... Uh, I started a new job in January, and it was super tough. Um, my new job started okay, but it's been an uphill climb for about 90% of the time. And uh, I'll just give an example. When I, when I joined the team, I had uh, 130 people working on my project. Now I have about 25. And, um, you know, that's, that's hard to watch that slow erosion, right, to go through that. Um, but uh, I, uh, I went through some very difficult moments. Um, friends, and uh, experienced tremendous letdowns and uh, some health issues. Uh, we ended up in the ER last summer, and um, got to a place of intense anger, bitterness, lacking faith, uh, not wanting to participate in community, and ultimately led to days and weeks of, of feeling quite cynical, actually. Um, it's not the life for the Christian life that I know I should, uh, that should exist. Um, it's it's hard it's hard to be in a church sometimes and, and see Christians stand up there and tell them that you, they're they're depressive they have mental mental health issues um, so on and so forth and I struggle with that I do um, we're supposed to be redeemed amen we're supposed to be glorious we're supposed to be these things but just what I said that backdrop man life life can kick you in the face sometimes and what what do we do what 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 foundation do we have to to withstand that and uh, it really exposed a lot of things in me. Um, so, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one to feel some of these emotions. I know, I know it. So, it's sort of, I was talking to Colin about this last week, and I brought this up. It's sort of irrational to chunk our lives into years, but can I be honest, I was happy to bid adieu to 2018. And I remember in 2017, we were like, good riddance, 2017. You know, Megan and I were like, 2017 was great. Come on, 2018. And here I am, just a year later, saying, get out of here, 2018. Uh, but it's not like my circumstances or challenges changed at 12 a.m. on December 31st or 12 a.m. January 31st. But I was just looking forward to starting a new journey for 2019. You know, there's just something about flipping over. And for, for me, I recent, so for me, I recently pruned some things from my life that were somewhat blinders and hurdles to taste, to being able to taste and see. Um, I, I stopped uh, completely drinking alcohol about six months ago. Um, and it wasn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't associate with that, but it was a part of my life, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been so um, tremendously nourishing for my soul to be abstinent from that. 
So if, if anybody wants to talk about that or, or is struggling with that, I would love to share my struggles, my journey growing up in an alcoholic home, knowing very much the, the pains, the trials as a child of an alcoholic, being an adult now, and what it looks like to have a healthy appetite or healthy uh, relationship with alcohol. Um, I, want, I would love to talk to you about that. And there's other guys and, and girls I would like to talk about that too. So I just wanted to put that invitation out there. But that's been really healthy for me to, to prune that for my life. Um, I return to the simplicity of tasting and seeing God not just having the bread baked for me each week, like John, you know, our weekly baker. Come break us some bread, John. Give us some product. But ultimately, what we should be looking at is the, is the, is the bread that John or anybody speaks up here that it should point to him. Amen? That we look at that, and if there's a beam from that bread up to, up to the sun, that's our goal each and every week. Let it not stop at the bread. But I started to partake of the bread of life, to get lost in his presence, spend time just with him, crying and worshiping on my face in my family room, experiencing this true spiritual milk and reading and prayer, leading my family and chasing after God, starting my days by prioritizing him, starting my days with this book, starting my time in prayer. I know we say it around here. It's, it's not to be legalistic or habitual or robotic about it, but honestly, I can tell you guys, it's the right way to start your life. It's the right way to start your days is on that bread of life. There's nothing better than knowing, loving, and working with God to come and believe in him. And maybe some of you can identify with this. Maybe some of you are going through some very challenging moments. Actually, not maybe. I guarantee some of you are. Some of you have lost your love of God. What you were raised on isn't holding up to the demands and forces of life. Perhaps some of you have never experienced this God thing, and it's all new. Uh, but some of the words I'm saying, maybe they're making a little bit of sense. Remember that first spiritual taste of Jesus, and you felt like you saw God for the first time? I, I was thinking about this. I feel like God revealed this when I wake up. It's not see and taste. It's taste, because you can see God, right? The, 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 the crowd saw God, and they tasted the bread, but it's flipped. It's taste and see with your spiritual eyes. It's taste, physical, and, and bring that in, the bread of life, so that you can see, not with your physical eyes, but that you can see with your spiritual eyes. So some of us need to start over, like the early believers, and just believe that he is the eternal bread of life. So I'm going to go back now. to Now, I went from um, John. I went to Second Peter. We're going all the way back to King David. Okay, so King David's a pretty big deal in the Old Testament. And he's writing this, and he's writing this Psalm 34. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Here it is, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see does not mean check out God's credentials. Instead, it's a warm invitation. When we follow the first step of obedience and following God, we will discover that he is good and kind, and we trust him daily. We experience how good he is. So can I invite you guys to join Hill City into experiencing God and his goodness? Some of you need to restart. Some of this is brand new. But um, if you guys can stand with me, uh, I want to close this out with a song performed by, um, you know, uh, by a, a, a band called Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. And the words are quite simple, but here's the main chorus. Magnify the Lord with me. Say this with me. Magnify the Lord with me. All right, we're going to do it one more time. Wake up. Come on, Alan, lead us. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. Glorify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name forever. Can you guys start that song? Come exalt his name forever. So go start this song, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna listen to this and worship together, okay? This is not just a watch, but, but let's, uh, let's worship together. Amen? I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And deliver me from every fear. Those who look on him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard.
into a, an area of prayer and can we just for a moment I know it's it's a video but just thank God for the living bread if you guys could can you just take the I'm not going to go into a long description of the communion but if you can in your own time right now take the bread about that living bread not physical bread and manna but that living bread that precious bread
you've got a hand. Come on. The disciples didn't have this beautiful New Testament and were basing their belief and faith on your direct voice and the resurrected life. God, let us answer your invitation this morning to taste and see. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and let us remember that you are the living bread. Can I tell you something? I'm doing really well now. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I, uh... <laughs> um, and it's... It's not about me. It's, it's, just, it's just the principles of God, guys. And I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to pitch you something. But it would be remiss of me not to invite you into this relationship with Jesus. It would be a folly for me to say, it's good for me. Hey, I'm happy. I'm good, Jen. I had this week we were doing highs and lows. And I'm, I, I can be a positive person, but I can be pretty realistic too. And I was telling John, I like, had a hard time thinking of a low. And I know some of you don't feel that way this morning. I, I get it. I get it. Um, I lost my dad 10 years ago at a very young age. I get pain. I get addiction. I get those things. But if, if, if I can just be honest and bold to say, follow, follow, as Paul said this, follow some of us as we follow Christ. And I don't want to have a seasonal Christianity anymore. I really don't as a leader. And as, as pastors and, and other, we, sh, we owe it to you and for culture not to have seasonal Christianity. And if, if, um, if this message makes sense to you, and if this is the first time maybe that you've experienced Jesus, can I just get you to raise your hand right now? Can, every, can I get all eyes closed right now, if that's okay, just, just to be respectful of others? But if you want to be introduced to Jesus and you've never met the bread of life, you've never understood living water, you've never understood this true sustainability and this way to live the Christian life, can you just slip your hand up for me? If you're returning to faith and you're restarting, to fa you're restarting this faith thing and you're like, hey, the things I learned as a child didn't make sense, they sort of made sense, but they certainly don't make sense now and I'm having a really hard time reconciling this God thing, can you raise your hand? We'd love to pray for you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. God, you're good. Church, can we believe it? It's, it's not a fake thing. It's not words on a page. It's not a message that's just hollow. It's a real thing. It's a real thing from us up here on the platform right now to the front, to the back, to everybody that's here that we have a real God that we can worship. We have a real living Savior that if you reach out to him and you start your days with him first and restarting your faith and have, allowing him to be the nourishment and the sustainer, the sustainer, may we rely on him to, and be desperate for the purity of who he is. You are not a useful God. You are a precious God. I pray that we commit to a lifestyle of tasting and seeing, exalting your goodness and making your name known. God, I pray for every hand that went up. Everybody's in here. If this message just moved the needle a tiny bit, God, I leave it up to you. I feel like I've done what I can. But God, you came and you showed miracles and signs. But God, you came, God, to save us and that we would not be left, God, living on physical food alone, but that we have spiritual nourishment, God. We have social nourishment and even physical. But God, these things, God, may we fall in love with you God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the true bread of life. God, let that stick in us this morning. Let us not fade away even this afternoon, this week, God, but that may we just continually pursue you, God, so that we may live the Christian life that you called us to. We don't want to live anymore in darkness as Hill City Church. We don't want to live anymore, God, in mental health, God, or really tough places, God. I pray that we'd start with you. God, forgive us of our sins this morning. Make us new, God. Just wash us clean this morning. Wipe that slate clean just like you can. And God, may we start even right now and tomorrow, God, chasing after you. That's our work, God, is to believe in you, to believe in you. We're so thankful. Jen, can you just sing God is so good one more time? And church, can we just uh, finish this? Let me say amen. Thank you, church, for letting me... Uh, Sorry about that.
Thank you for letting me speak this morning, uh, for listening, for leaning in. And can we just 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 meditate on that bread, on that on um, the the bread of life and God's goodness? Amen. Amen. Sing with me. You're so good. Come on, raise your voice. Give God praise one more time. I love you, church. I love you uh, online. And let's chase after God, amen? Let's get after it. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. If anybody needs prayer, we're up here. We have the Welcome Center as well. We'd love to get to know if you're new. Have a great week.